welcome to the show. My name is Steve Pretty and this is my brand new podcast, Steve Pretty on the origin of the pieces. This is a show about music. It's a show about where music comes from, what music is, and why music even exists in the first place. Uh, and I, I've got quite grand ambitions between you and me for what this show is, because I want to try and help you to hear music in new ways and also help myself hear and understand music in new ways. I'm a musician myself. I'm a professional musician, as I'll talk about a bit later. But this is not a show just for professional musicians by any means. This is a show for anyone who's got uh, an interest in music, whether you play it uh, either professionally or an, at an amateur level. Maybe you play in bands, maybe you play in an orchestra, maybe you play, maybe you sing in a choir, maybe you just noodle at home on the guitar late at night, tinkle away on the piano, sing in the shower, whatever it is. Or maybe you just like listening to music. And you're just kind of interested in some new ways of listening, some new ways of understanding what's going on with your favourite music and maybe opening your ears to some brand new music as well. Coming up on the show today in a section called Entertaining Noises, I'm going to be bringing in a guest to my studio, this glorified shed at the end of my garden, and they're going to ask me some questions about the weird and wonderful stuff that I've got going on in here, the noisemakers and the musical instruments and all the gizmos and stuff. And then in a section called Music Theory, I'm going to be examining the nuts and bolts of music, how it's put together, taking it all apart and then trying to put it back together again. Um, I know that the words music and theory uh, put together often strike either fear or boredom into people's hearts and I can understand why and I'm going to be trying to persuade you that understanding a bit about the ins and outs of how music works will benefit your listening and your enjoyment of music more generally. And to finish off, we are going to be putting a virtual hand into my virtual genre tombola. Now, this is a list of all of the music genres that Wikipedia lists. And believe me, there are a lot. We're going to be reaching in and picking one out at random to examine in next week's show. And I'm going to be giving you my thoughts on the usefulness or otherwise of categorising music into genres. So stay tuned. All sorts of fun coming up. I hope you enjoy it, this first episode. Here we go. But before we do any of that, I want to talk briefly about the title of the show, because of course the show is called Steve Pretty on the Origin of the Pieces, and some of you have probably already worked out that that is a slightly dubious pun on Charles Darwin's great masterwork on the origin of species. Um, by the way, if you're not a fan of puns, I'm afraid, strap in, there might be a few more bad ones before the episode is out. I will try and limit my number of puns per episode, but... Apologies. I'm a dad. It's what we're supposed to do. Right. So it's called On the Origin of the Pieces because I am interested in this idea of musical evolution. Charles Darwin, of course, in uh, On the Origin of Species, talked about the idea of evolution via natural selection. Um, 
And as chance would have it, this has genuinely just happened to me. I've just looked down and the mug I'm drinking my tea from as I talk to you now is from the Natural History Museum. It was given to me when I was doing some gigs there last year and I'm just looking down at it and it has a quote from On the Origin of Species on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm that kind of guy who drinks tea from Darwin mugs. Um, and it's a really beautiful quote. So I thought I would just read it to you. Uh, it's very appropriate to this. Um, I just looked down and thought, hold on a minute, this is exactly what we're talking about. So let me read you this quote and then I'm going to sip my tea and let that sink in and we can all have a think about that for a second. So the quote is, from so simple a beginning, endless forms, most beautiful and most wonderful have been and are being evolved. Nice, right? That's a quite a beautiful quote. And it's it's obviously very beautiful when it's applied to life on Earth. But also for me, that does sum up the evolution of music. Because music started with very, very simple beginnings. And we don't even really know why music began. There's not really uh, uh, conclusive evidence on any side as to why we even have music. It's something I'm going to be exploring a lot over this over the episodes of this show. But quick summary is to say that on the one side you have uh, people like Steven Pinker, a great neuroscientist, who say that music is auditory cheesecake. Um, this kind of idea that cheesecake's lovely, but you don't need it for survival, no matter what some people claim. Um, but on the other hand, you have uh, the counter-argument to that when lots of other neuroscientists and evolutionary biologists have actually claimed that music is, on the contrary, really, really essential to the evolution of human life and particularly societies and again we're gonna we're gonna dip into why that might be over the coming weeks and months um but i want to go back to that idea of simplicity and beginning from a very simple point because it's something that's really captivated me i'm a trumpet player that's my main job it has been for many years um and the trumpet is quite a complicated instrument in a lot of ways. It's got a lot of tubing. It's got a lot of, uh, you know, it's got three valves, which people think makes it very easy. Actually, it makes it, I would argue, much more difficult because you've got to do most of that work with the air and with the lips. But anyway, that's for another time. So it has three valves and all this tubing, a specialist mouthpiece. It's quite obviously made of metal. It's quite complicated to make. You've got to have quite uh, sophisticated technology in a lot of ways to make it because although it is essentially a piece of glorified plumbing um, you've got to be able to bend the metal around you've got to be able to work the metal in really specific ways quite nuanced ways to get the sound of the trumpet and I mean, I've got a trumpet here because I always do because that's what I do and uh, I'll just play the trumpet for you um, a few notes <laughs> So those notes are all played actually without any valves at all. And that gets to the essence of what a trumpet is. So I'm not pushing my fingers down at all. I'm making those sounds purely by changing the speed of the vibrating air. So the vibrating air for my lips here is just amplified and focused by the mouthpiece here. And then that goes into the trumpet here, which resonates. We'll come back to that word in a bit because we're going to explore a lot of that over the coming weeks. And produces a note. It uses the natural resonance of the metal and the way that the trumpet has been built to uh, create those sounds. And that principle 
is incredibly, in a way, incredibly simple and incredibly ancient um, for us as musicians and music makers. And so I found myself getting really obsessed by the ancient origins of music. And because I'm a trumpet player, the ancient origins of music for uh, people like me, um, my ancestors, uh, my musical ancestors at least, would have played things like shells, right? So I've become obsessed by conch shells. That's right. My midlife crisis has manifested in becoming obsessed by conch shells and I guess starting a podcast. But that's, you know, I'm a uh, a middle-aged, middle-class white guy. So starting a podcast is pretty typical, um, although admittedly maybe playing the shells less so. Um, but the conch shells uh, and other associated shells, there's frog shells, there's triton shells. Believe me, I could go on and on, um, but I will hold myself back for now. But these shells um, are really, if, if you cut the end off a shell, which is a relatively straightforward process to do, sometimes that can happen naturally, you get a very similar idea. So I actually, the shell thing has got a bit out of hand and I now have quite a lot of shells. I'll put some photos up on uh, on social media so you can see. But I have, um, I, it's probably getting on for about 20 odd shells now, which I, I cut the end off and make myself and in fact I had a shell gig believe it or not over the weekend um, so I, I'm actually quite busy playing shells at the moment that's something we'll again we'll look at in future episodes but I have a case down here um, just from my shell gig on the weekend so let me just unzip it I will get out a shell um, so I have a shell here I'm pulling out a shell um, and exactly the same principle. So I make vibrating air with my lips. I buzz my lips and I blow into that in exactly the way I would on the trumpet. It sounds like this. And I can do exactly what I can on the trumpet, which is use the natural resonance of the shell, the the way that the shell is formed with the kind of walls, the... Um, uh, you know, swirls inside the shell and the way that the air is directed, I can use that natural resonance to find different notes only by speeding up or slowing down the air. So there's this one. And then simply by changing the speed of the air, I'm going to get the next one up. And you can hear that that is what's called an octave. So in other words, it's exactly double the frequency of note. We don't need to get bogged down in that. We'll look at that in a music theory section at some point in the future. But that's what we can do. There might even be a couple more notes in here. This is quite a big show. Let's find out. Yeah, a couple of sort of squeaky ones at the top there. So exactly the same same principle. And it's really interesting that something like a shell is literally just a shell picked up from a uh, from a beach or in my case from eBay because uh, my midlife crisis means that I lurk on eBay and wait for people to clear out their aquariums <laughs> or whatever that they might have uh, be getting rid of. So yes, and I buy up shells. Anyway, um, I they someone will have picked that up from a, a beach at some point uh, back in our distant past and tried to to play it and that's quite a, an unusual and strange thing to do as an animal because you think well what what will be the what's the point of that you know why what's the what's the evolutionary value in doing in doing that and perhaps the first person who picked it up and tried to play it maybe hit it or you know tried to get some sounds out of it that way 
I'm sure percussion instruments would be certainly a lot older than wind instruments because it's something more obvious to hit things together rather than to blow them. But then eventually maybe that person's descendant uh, refined that, picked it up uh, and thought, I wonder if, if I blow through it, just blow... That doesn't, doesn't sound great, does it? It sort of sounds like the sea maybe. But it doesn't sound, you know, it doesn't sound like a uh, nice musical sound. And then... Over generations, perhaps that person's that person's descendant may have then picked it up and buzzed their lips into it, and suddenly this sound emerges. All right, and this sound there is there is something quite amazing about this sound. I mean, I'm very biased, but there is something that feels to me like it connects us with our ancient past. So let me just play it for you now. <coughs> And even more so if I put some reverb on it, because these things would have been played outdoors in caves or um, in dwellings where you would have this perhaps natural resonance of the space as well as the shell. So let's try it again with some, some artificial reverb to recreate the ancient cave. <laughs> just have one note there or one note and it's octave so um, the same sort of sound but but double the frequency and there's something for me and I know from first hand uh, from doing these um, these shell gigs and working in places like the Natural History Museum playing shells in the main hall there that just this one note can somehow speak to us as um, as humans and and can kind of tap into something that seems to activate our brains on a on a primal level and so it's this thing this thing of picking up uh, something that nature provides in this case a shell and refining it so you know hitting it no blowing it no eventually finding a technique of buzzing the lips in this case cutting off the end refining it in a relatively simple way but then over generations and generations and generations the iterative process of our musical ancestors going through and thinking, okay, this shell sounds nice, but what happens, what happens if I drill a hole in this? What happens if we put two shells together? Then we get these two different tones. Let me try and play two together for you. If I attempt, it's quite difficult to play two together, but I'll give it a go. Sounds kind of foghorny. But yeah, they may be played two together. They may take the shell and add things to it. Maybe then once people started working with wood, they started making um, uh, instruments with the same technique, blowing through bits of wood, maybe hollowing out bones. Um, and eventually, over generations and generations and generations, you get the trumpet with exactly that same core principle idea of how it's played but just refined and able to play not just a couple of notes like the shell can there, but a whole range of what we call in uh, Western music, the chromatic scale. And a whole range of different tone colors uh, and all of the rest of it. And for me, what's amazing about that is that it's the 
abstraction of it, right? Because it's just sound. It's just sound waves that are hitting our ears and hitting our little bones in our ears and causing us to have these emotions. And it, I think for me, what's so amazing about music is it, it taps into the emotions in a way that most other art forms or most other things that we do in our lives can't because human emotions are incredibly complicated. Um, you know, often we think, uh, are we happy? Are we sad? Um, and we don't necessarily think of the nuance in between. And for me, language isn't really able to express that nuance as effectively as sometimes even a single note on a shell or a trumpet or a violin or electric guitar or, of course, a voice can. And that is something that we're going to keep coming back to, this idea that music and the development of music technology is basically the story of the development of our ability to express ourselves and our complex emotional lives. So just to wrap up this section, I just wanted to leave you with one of my favourite facts about all this stuff. And that is that um, in the Jura Mountains in France, they've discovered bone flutes made from the thigh bones of vultures. And these bones have been hollowed out. They've had holes drilled into them. Quite an elaborate amount of work has gone into creating these flutes. Um, and these are at least 50,000 years old, right? That's the, uh, the, what they've been dated to. And it's quite hard to get your head around that. But the way I like to think about it is in reference to something much newer, but still something that we think of as completely fundamental to our lives, most of our lives. And that is bread. So bread and agriculture have been around for less than 10,000 years, which means that for at least 40,000 years before we started making bread, we were making flutes. We were not just banging rocks together and singing in caves and, you know, doing things that are kind of don't require a lot of skill and dedication and time and human effort to go into. We were making flutes, hollowing them out, sitting in caves, making flutes. And then it was only 40,000 years later that we thought, I wonder if we should try bread as well. <laughs> so I wanted to leave you with that little fact to muse on. We're going to be talking again more about some of this stuff over the coming shows. Um, but now it's quite a deep entry point, quite heavy, wasn't it, that first bit? Um, so I think let's let's crack on. Let's move on. On with the show. <laughs> So this is the entertaining noises section of the show and if you're not wearing headphones already I suggest that you put some on now if you're able to. Little earbuds are fine or you know fancy closed back headphones. It's fine if you're listening on speakers no problem it'll still work it's just if you're listening on headphones you get the full effects because I've decided to record this section as often as we can in binaural sound and that means basically that your perspective as a listener will be exactly the same perspective as the person I'm talking to wherever I'm talking to them. And today uh, I'm going to be talking to my partner Joe in my studio. So I've strapped some little tiny binaural microphones to her ears. So if you're wearing headphones, everything you hear will be exactly from her perspective. It can be slightly uncanny sometimes because it really feels like you're in someone's head. But the idea is, although today we're just in the studio, in future we might be out and about at a gig or a concert or some place of kind of ancient musical significance or 
a guitar shop. I don't know. Um, it's a bit of binaural fun. So strap on your headphones and enjoy. Let's go into the studio. Ears will be in the same position as yours. So in other words, as you move your head. So if I'm talking to you straight on, if you look, there you go. Okay. Mm-hmm. And go around there. And if I come over here, we can do some <laughs> ASMR. Some ASMR. Oh, it's creepy. It's a bit creepy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're trying to avoid the creepiness. Firstly, who who are you? Who the hell are you? Why are you here? I am Joe. I am your uh, partner, um, and I live in the house at the end of the garden with you and our children. And um, I occasionally come in here, but not very often. And every time I come in, there is somehow more stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's quite chock a block in here. Um, and do you want to take people through just very quickly? what you can see because there's a lot of I know there's a lot of stuff it's okay. a very small space I should say uh, so it, it is it is a lot of stuff but it's also if you spread it out over a larger space it would be it would feel like less <laughs> tiny it's... okay um you justify it how you like um uh, so okay so going from left there is is a drum an African drum of some kind hanging up there's a speaker on a stand then two stacks of I don't even know what these things are. Um, Cables and uh, amps, maybe? Is that what they are? Lots of twiddly things, lots of knobs, lots of lights, lots of ports to put plug stuff into, mini mini keyboards all over the place. Um, And then you've got a whiteboard with some ideas on it, which, (laughs) including something that says strict strict no whinging policy. Strict no whinging policy. That's, uh, yeah, that's both a reminder for my children when they're in here and also for me when I, <laughs> if I start whinging about my career, which is basically making silly noises for a living. So, uh. um, In front of that board, there are several guitars uh, tucked away, some big speakers in the corner. Um, your desk is mad. There's loads, there's a huge screen, a smaller screen, another screen another got another screen um several uh, more ampy things a, a keyboard um more twiddly things more speakers i don't know how many speakers there are in here there are speakers on the ceiling which look dangerous i'll be honest uh then on on to the right of the desk there's a a lamp which is rigged up with some conch shells there are mutes for putting into trumpets right, then there's Three keyboardy, pianoy things all stacked up. Some with flashing lights, um, some fairy lights, a nice homely touch. Into the corner behind me, there's a, some a, something that looks like a harp, I guess, but it's made of wood. I don't know what that is. Some there's a little drum kit, electronic drum kit, I think. Some what I think is soundproofing. Uh, Sound treatment, but yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, is that? Is that a trombone? You don't yep. play trombone. Um, on a drum, another drum, sort of African-style drum. Lots of drumsticks around. Some shelving with various books, music books and sheet music. Lot, lots more. There's so much stuff on these shelves. Uh, more keyboards, microphones, cases. Underneath the shelf. Drums. Underneath the table. Oh, my goodness. Look, uh, is that... <laughs> okay, that's not a trumpet. That's a euphonium? It's, I've got a baritone horn okay, and a tenor horn. I don't know what that is. Hold on. Uh, oh, I'm sitting on a cajon, which um, I wouldn't have known if I wasn't with you, but I am fond of saying cajon. It looks like a lot of trumpets under there. I don't know what's what. 
Yeah, just loads of stuff. <laughs> and quite a lot of dust. It's a good, it's a good summary. Oh, keep pedals on the floor now I'm down here. Yeah. A lot of cables. Um, yeah, so there we go. I w- it, okay, like if you, could you use everything in here in a day? Not everything. Usefully. No, not everything. But I could use, I could use, I would say, 80% of the things in here. Maybe not 80%. Maybe, like, yeah, 75% of things in here within a week. And that would be, and that would, and that would be doing lots of different things or doing one project. Well, that's the thing. So I do a lot of different things. I, I do a lot of live playing, uh, and for the live playing, I have you know live setups for my trumpet and with electronics and with other things. Um, and so there's all of that side, which I and it's a very small room, so I've got kind of got all of that side. So I'm getting, I get that stuff out and practice with that and play with that. Um, but then there's the recording side, so I might also do a, a session where I'm recording trumpet for someone. And so there's all the, that's why the mics are here, different mics and different the, the stuff you called amps uh, is a good that's yeah, a good approximation, but they're called outboard gear, so they might have different types of um, ways of processing audio basically. Um, so you plug a mic into them and they do slightly different things, different sounds and stuff. Yeah, so I might be doing that, and then later the same week I might be composing for I don't know I occasionally write for ads or for TV. Um, or I do something called production music or, or library music, which is where you compose, and you can be doing that in all sorts of different styles. So at the moment, for example, I'm doing some some work in that area where I'm doing styles that are as varied as kind of ambient music, which uses a lot of the electronic stuff, and pretty much entirely acoustic stuff, where I'm using all the keyboards and getting musicians in to play and recording them. And so it's a really small room with a lot of stuff in it, and it do, it does maybe. You could argue it's got a bit out of hand, but, um, <laughs> but at the same time, it's it serves a lot of different purposes, I think. And so, and I think it's for me, it's also just born of a real curiosity about music. And so, the, one of the thing about this podcast is talking about the origins of music and where it comes from, and uh, and music technology, and all of these all of these things. What I find so interesting about everything in here, no matter whether it's a, a simple cable or the most elaborate kind of. Uh, electronic effects box that I've got they all they're all part of that same story of humans making musical instruments and and musical entertaining noises for themselves and for others and so I'm just endlessly fascinated I think as a lot of musicians are by different instruments and different ways of thinking about music and that's that's why I'm not I should say I'm not unique in having a, a music studio crammed full of stuff uh, of all different types but it, it, I think this room being as small as it is and as full as it is is a little extreme <laughs> <laughs> so over the coming episodes I think we're going to bring you in here or sometimes we might do it out and about if we're at a gig or if we're uh, around about and so I think you and maybe some other uh, friends and colleagues and guests um, I'm going to be chatting to about the different entertaining noises that various of these things can make uh, different insights from different gigs or from different uh, approaches to music so I, when I bring the kids in here it's a bit of a wonderland for kids and it's terrifying frankly when I bring the kids in here because there's a lot of stuff that's extremely delicate and breakable but it's also really nice for the kids to be able to come in here and poke around and play with what they want to under strict supervision. So what I want this podcast to be really is a way of thinking about music as if you're a primary school kid you know just having fun with it and exploring it so given that the kids come in here and, and monkey around and can play silly noises with whatever they want do you want to do you want to have a go? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is it all plugged in? It's pretty much all plugged in. If it's not, it can mainly be 
Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. Very nice. We might talk about that one week. Oh. Quite okay, satisfying, there's, right? there's another one. Ooh. That one is entertaining. <laughs> and then this one on the top. <laughs> Very nice. nice. Three different keyboards. Um, we, we can talk about why why you've got three different ones on another episode, and what they each do, and some you know some little insight into how they work and why why we use synths and stuff as well as pianos yes please yeah all right thanks very much you're welcome music theory okay so we get to the music theory section of the show now this is where each show i'm going to take music apart uh, look at all the weird nuts and bolts and then put it back together again but for this very first episode in this section what i actually wanted to do was not take apart music but to take apart the idea of music theory itself because it's quite a problematic idea music theory in a lot of ways um, I think a lot of time when particularly those of you who might have studied for grades um, and had to do any music theory it can be very dry and it's thought of as this list of rules of prescriptions of how music is written and how music must be performed but fundamentally it's really important to remember that is a complete reversal of what music theory is because music theory is not a prescription about how the world works it's a description of how the world works just as scientific theories are descriptions of how the world works they're observations that are then pulled together into a set of rules that we then use to understand the universe it's the same with music theory they're observations about music that are pulled together as a way of helping us to try and understand music better. But it's really important to remember that for those of you who have been through uh, grades and have learned uh, any theory that way or have done music exams wherever you might be in the world, the music theory that you're learning is probably very specific to one type of music. Now, if we take the music theory that I learnt when I did my grades um, and music A-level and that kind of thing, what we're talking about really is Western music theory, specifically Western classical music theory, the way that we think about scales, the way that we think about rhythm, the way that we think about melody, all of these things, and especially harmony, actually, all of these things, some of which we will definitely look at over the coming episodes, but all of these things are culturally specific. Now, just slight diversion for a second to talk about this idea that music is a universal language, because I think it ties in with this, right? Music, on one level, is a universal language because every culture on Earth has music. It's actually one of the very few things that pulls our species together. There's very, very few things, culturally or otherwise, that all cultures have, including things like numbers. Numbers are not universal necessarily. There are a small handful of cultures who don't use numbers above one and more than one. But music is, is central to every culture on Earth. But for me, the crucial thing 
is that the type of music and the way that music is conceptualized and thought about and written and performed and improvised is very, very different across almost every culture and society on earth. People think about music in a whole myriad of ways. And I think that's what's really exciting about music for me. I think, you know, we'll come to this in the genre tombola section later but I think the fact that music has so many different uses so many different expressions of itself so many different ways of being conceptualized that for me is what's so endlessly fascinating and beautiful about music it's not that it's a universal language because if I'm playing uh the trumpet and I my background is as as a uh, a jazz trumpet player or playing with pop acts in the kind of western style or whatever that does not mean that I really have very much insight into music from South India or from Bhutan or you know anywhere in the world these traditions are all very distinct and often they conceptualize of music in completely radically different ways so what I want to do with this section over the coming episodes yeah sure is to look at things uh, we might dabble with things like scales and harmony and that kind of thing that you might have learned um, in your music theory lessons if you had them but also I want to think about how other cultures conceive of music how other cultures think about their theory, how the music's written and improvised and performed. So in this section, I'm going to be talking to all sorts of different people um, about the ways they think about music, about the ways that they break down their own particular musical style and expression. And just to wrap up this section, I want to just take a second to think about the limits of, of music theory of any sort as well, because Let's take notation, for example, if you think of, you know, sheet music, the staves, uh, treble clef and all that business. If you write music down, there's no amount of complex systems for writing down music that can fully express the nuances of a live performance. You can say, I want it a bit quieter here, I want it a bit louder here, I want the tone to change here, I want the harmony to be this, I want it to be performed in this way. But when you write that as a composer you are in an interactive relationship, sometimes across many hundreds of years, with the people who are going to be performing it. So there's always this kind of dialogue between performer and composer. And at the back of that is music theory to a degree, but that is a changeable thing that adapts over time. And once again, we come back down to evolving. It evolves over time. Right. So that is music theory over and done with for this week. Class dismissed. Okay, so we're coming towards the end of the show, but before I go, I wanted to reach a virtual hand into my virtual genre tombola. Um, And this is where I've taken a list of genres from Wikipedia, and I'm going to feed that list into a random list picker um, online, and that will pick a random uh, genre from that list, and I'm going to examine that genre each show. But before I talk more about that, this list of genres on Wikipedia is no joke, right? Genre is an inherently problematic thing for a lot of musicians, myself included. My band, Hackney Colliery Band, has um, always we always have issues when we release music as to which genre category we're put in and you know which charts we go on and all that stuff. It can be a bit of a nightmare and quite a problem for a lot of musicians and uh, maybe we'll address that in a future episode. But this list is pretty extensive. Um, I will 
say that. So, you know, whilst the most exciting music for me does happen between genres, or to go back to that Darwin quote, from so simple a beginning, endless forms, most beautiful and most wonderful have been and are being evolved. Now, that's when we think about genre, we think about one genre meeting another and forming a new thing and music evolving like that. I think that's a passionate believer in the fact that that's the way music evolves and that's the way music moves forward. But... In the meantime, Wikipedia and Spotify and streaming platforms and listeners and music curators and everyone else, we do ha- we do think about genres and Wikipedia in particular has broken it down to a ridiculous degree, right? So I just wanted to read you just the metal section of um, the Wikipedia genre list. Now bear in mind there are, there are also metal subgenres in other parts of the list, but this is just the bit under metal, right? Here goes. Alternative metal, funk metal, new metal, rap metal, rapcore, avant-garde metal, drone metal, post-metal, black metal, depressive suicidal black metal, black and death metal, atmospheric black metal, black gaze, melodic black metal, national socialist black metal. Wow, uh, really, really hoping the genre picker doesn't pick that one. Symphonic black metal, Viking metal, Christian metal, unblack metal, death metal, death and roll, death grind, melodic death metal, technical death metal, doom metal, doom doom, stoner doom, extreme metal. Folk metal, Celtic metal, medieval metal, <laughs> pagan metal, glam metal, gothic metal, industrial metal, Latin metal, math metal, metalcore, deathcore, mathcore, melodic metalcore, neoclassical metal, neue deutsche Hertha, <laughs> new wave of American heavy metal, new wave of British heavy metal, Nintendo core. <laughs> Pirate metal, pop metal, power metal, progressive metal, gent, sludge metal, speed metal, symphonic metal, thrash metal, bandana thrash, crossover thrash, and groove metal. That's just the metal list. In other country breakdowns, there are other subgenres of metal as well. So when I say I'm going to pick a different genre of music each episode, bear in mind this could last for 1300 episodes <laughs> if I do this. So wish me luck. And of course, the point of this is to try and learn about music that I know nothing about and that probably most of you know nothing about. Even though I uh, have been a professional musician for many years and I've composed in various different styles and I've played in lots of different styles, there's really only a very, very, really small number of genres that I consider myself to be reasonably knowledgeable in and a slightly larger uh, number, which I know a little bit about, but not very much. So the vast, vast, vast majority of these I am going to know almost nothing about. So the idea is that I go away for a couple of weeks, research it and attempt to, you know, dabble in making some music in that style. Um, And I should say, I want to get my apologies in early, that when I'm making music in this style, when I'm talking about this stuff, it is not with a view to kind of cultural trespassing. Um, It is with a very much an outsider's eye, and I'm going to try and be as respectful as I can in making this music, but I'm sure most of the time it will not be as the practitioners of that music would claim. Now, with that in mind, since I mentioned all those metal genres uh, just now, I thought that for this episode, what I would do was play you a piece that I wrote when I was out of my comfort zone earlier this year. Um, a, a much-loved teacher was leaving my daughter's school, and somehow or other, I got roped into writing a piece of music for his departure. <laughs> and I wanted to get the kids involved, so the kids wrote the lyrics. Um, and this teacher was a big metalhead, big fan of uh, of heavy metal, and so I. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> put this together. And so I thought I would play this section out with my very first piece of pseudo metal. I mean, I don't know which of those 80 or so metal categories it fits into. But anyway, here we go. This is my first piece of metal music with lyrics by about 40 or 50 five and six year olds. we go i think we can all agree that mr hamlin is indeed friday um so yeah it was a lot of fun doing that and the the kids all joined in uh shouting the bits where you can hear my voice the other voice you can hear by the way there is my good friend john lumley who is a genuinely fantastic vocalist in various hardcore and punk type styles so if the right genres pop up in this genre picker maybe i will be enlisting him for some help. Speaking of that list, the time has come to put all of those 1300 odd genres uh, on the Wikipedia list into the random list 
picker that I found online. Right, first though, I've enlisted my kids to give me a drum roll. Got to keep them entertained somehow. And drum roll. Wow, that's loud. Okay, and I'm going to choose my genre. It's pop rock. That seems pretty generic. Pop rock. That seems surprising. Wait, wait. That's pop. It's pop rock. Unbelievable. Pop rock. Unbelievably generic. Um, genuinely annoyed about that. And actually, just as an experiment, I click the button again. And the next genre, you know what it was? Sri Lankan hip hop. <laughs> so we could have got Sri Lankan hip hop, but instead we've got pop rock. But who am I to argue with the internet? So next week I will be trying to make some music and talking about pop rock. A bit more accessible than Sri Lankan hip hop for the majority of you, I imagine. But anyway, it's going to be a lot of fun, however we dice it. <laughs> I think that's it for this very first episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. Please do send me some feedback. Um, my social media is at Steve Pretty on most of the platforms. My website is www.stevepretty.com. Uh, there's a mailing list you can sign up for there to hear more about the podcast and lots of other exciting stuff coming up. Speaking of which, the next thing that I want to really shout about is Wilton's Music Hall. I'm doing a show at the amazing Wilton's Music Hall in London on the 20th of January. Um, tickets go on sale to Friends of Wilton's and also to Friends of the Podcast. That's you guys. Uh, they go on sale today. That's the Thursday, the 5th of October when you listen to this. Or if you listen to it after that, they'll probably be on sale because they go on sale to the general public on the 11th, Thursday, the 11th of October. And again, that show is the 20th of January. I'm going to be doing a live podcast recording. So there's going to be a lot of the same kind of sections that you've heard here, but done live with an amazing selection of guests. And there's going to be some of my Hackney Colliery Band colleagues there. We're going to talk about some of the upcoming uh, work we're doing for the new record and some of our previous albums. We're going to be doing a little mini gig, lots of music, lots of chat, lots of fun. So do please come down to that 20th of January and Wilton's Music Hall in London. As I say, tickets will be available very soon. Um, the best way to find out and to get a very special discount on that is to go to my website and sign up up to my newsletter i'm going to be emailing around the link once that is ready with a big old hefty discount so roll up <laughs> meanwhile the theme is by anjali kidjo and arranged by me and performed by hackney colliery band and the roundhouse choir and of course anjali herself so do check us out if you like that music. Uh, as I talked about earlier in the show, we do a whole big variety of different stuff and it's really fun and exciting and dynamic. That's the plan anyway. Uh, and thank you to my friend John Lumley who sung that Mr Hamlin song and all the kids at my daughter's school who wrote the lyrics. Yeah, good fun. Think Is that it? I think that's it. 
Thank you very much. We're going to be here every two weeks. So that's Thursday the 19th of October when you can hear the next episode and find out how I've done with my pop rock research and composition and listen to some great guests who we're going to have and lots more discussion and music making and hopefully some interesting stuff. So tune in then. Uh, Thanks again. Leave a review, all of that business. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.